Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, and welcome to episode 121. We are going to be discussing the Enneagram today. But before we do that, we just want to remind you to just keep connecting with us on Instagram. We, even though there there's this time where we can't all connect Personally, we can connect on Instagram, and we are really interested in continuing to have conversations about books and reading with you. So just make sure that you are checking us out at Unabridged Pod on Instagram and on our Facebook page. Before we get started with our discussion today, we are going to just do a bookish check-in really quickly. So Jen, do you want to start us out? Sure. I just started Maggie Steve Bader's Call Down the Hawk. And this is going to be a trilogy. I believe it's called the Dreamers Trilogy. And it's a follow-up to her four-book series, The Raven Cycle, which started with the Raven Boys and is about this group of friends who attend this exclusive academy and live in this small town. And I don't want to spoil that series, but things happen. And then this is after the fact. And so far, it's really interesting. They were all... the, The academy that they attended was a high school And now they've reached the age where they're in college. So it's sort of that what happens with your friend group after you leave, um, after you leave high school and how do you continue connecting? I'm not very far yet, but it's great so far. Awesome. Ashley, what are you reading? So I raved before about (laughs) Helen Huang's The Bride Test, which was an unexpected joy for me to read. And I am now going back and reading The Kiss Quotient, so I am really enjoying that. I haven't read very much yet, but I love it. And I said on Instagram how I was reading it, and people said, oh, you should read, you know, afterwards you should read The Bride Test. I'm like, actually, (laughs) I went in the wrong order. I didn't even realize they were connected, actually. They're only, like, loosely connected. Is that right? I didn't remember that they were connected. They are connected, but I think it's kind of like the Kristen Cashor um her series where there are connections, but they're distant, Mm -hmm. distantly related. Like maybe some of the characters overlap or something or like Mm -hmm. Stephanie Perkins with Anna and the French kiss. I think it's one that there are some similar characters, but anyway, regardless, apparently I went in the wrong order, but I am very excited to read it and I've really enjoyed it so far. It's so steamy. steamy. (laughs) I want to go back and just say, I should have said call down the hawk is a fantasy series. So even though I was focused on the very real, like moving past high school, there's a lot of fantasy and magic in it Mm -hmm. as well. Just in case anybody's looking to pick it up, you should know. What are you reading, Sarah? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm having some trouble getting into anything Mm -hmm. at the moment, but I picked up that I've had this for a while and I picked up Dear Girls by Ali Wong and I mean, it is hilarious, but it is raunchy. So <laughs> I feel like I need to give that disclaimer because it, I mean, it's, her comedy is pretty raunchy and the book follows suit. So what I'm liking about this book is it's written in letters to her daughters. And she also does make this disclaimer that they can't read it until they are 21. <laughs> so that kind of tells you about the content, but it's a really, it's funny. And um, she just, it has this matter of fact, 
no-nonsense delivery that I'm really connecting with. And it's also one that I can dip in and out of without there's not like a common narrative mm-hmm. that I have to focus on, which is really good for me at the moment. Yeah. So I am really enjoying it. It's funny, but again, it is definitely raunchy. And I mean, it's just raunchy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not great. even steamy, just raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I'm really enjoying it and it's given me a laugh. So That's I like awesome. it. And you're listening, right? No, it is actually, Uh, it's off script. I couldn't find it on scripts, but I actually had the hard copy of it. So I would have preferred to listen to it because mm -hmm. I'm sure she read it and I'm sure the delivery is even better, but the hard copy is working okay. So that's great. Yeah, Yeah. I I did listen to the audio. So if anybody can get a hold of that, she does read it herself. And oh my goodness, it is. (laughs) Yes. I mean, as a stand-up comedian, yeah, she's got a great delivery, but I'm sure the text is good too. Well, those both sound great. Um, I have read The Kiss Quotient, but not The Bride Test. So that is on my list for hopefully in the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would love that one, Sarah. It's so good. (laughs) So now we are going to start our discussion on the Enneagram. We we have discussed this a bit off off mic, and we've had some (laughs) mixed feelings about it. But what we did is we each read a different book on the Enneagram, and now we are going to discuss it. But I thought before we actually do the discussion, we could each just say the book that we read. Mm -hmm. So Ashley, what what book did you read? Sure. We're on video also, so I'm like showing the book, and then I thought (laughs) listeners can't see the book. But it is beautiful. I read Hannah Pask's the Enneagram Guide for Discovering Your Truest, Baddest Self, and it's called Millenniagram. And it is, I actually listened on audio initially, and I went ahead and got the hard copy as well. And what I didn't expect about the hard copy is it is gorgeous. It's just got really, it's really colorful and color-coded and very, has a very nice tactile aspect of it. What did you read, Jen? <laughs> I read David Daniels and Virginia Price's The Essential Enneagram, The Definitive Personality Test and Self-Discovery Guide. And it is not pretty, nor is it color-coded. <laughs> it does have a lot of diagrams. For the record, mine does not have a lot of diagrams. It is, In fact, I don't think we have any diagrams on mine. Just a lot of nice colors. Yeah, it is, it is much like a textbook. So picture a very short textbook in your head, and that's what my book looks like. <laughs> Are you sensing I don't some sense judgment? Any bit- I was going to say, I don't sense any bitterness there. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? I read The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery by Ian Morgan Cron and Susan- Suzanne Stable. And it was, it's uh, set up in a really easy to to read manner. It talks about the each Enneagram type and there are like top 20 lists of things that are related to each Enneagram type. So it makes it really easy and easy, easy to kind of digest as you read. Um, There is a faith component to this one. So that's something probably people want to know. And a lot of it has to do, what I liked about this book is it talks about each type, like as a kid in a relationship as a worker. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So even though it had the faith component and it did talk about relationships, it talked about it in a general way. And I think it's really accessible Mm -hmm. for anybody. So uh, I really thought it was interesting. 
I should say I posted on Instagram yesterday about the Enneagram and my problems. We'll get to this, but my problems identifying my Enneagram. And I posted the book that I read and people were like, oh my gosh, that's the best one. So my judgment is not everyone's judgment, but I will say both of yours in your descriptions seem much more appealing than mine. So I yeah. felt like with Ashley, you had Janet color coded. I know, right? Well, and like I said, I actually didn't realize that because I listened to it at first, but I, another thing that I thought was really unique about mine is that between the different sections, which she studies the types, so she groups them by triads and goes through it that way. But in between that, she she does these kind of snapshots of different pro, the different personality types based on their numbers. So, for example, in the beginning, it's how each type travels by airplane. And I think it's those are hilarious. The book is hilarious. I should have said that. It's really funny. Um, it is crass. There's a lot. So like you said about Ali Wong's being raunchy, that's something she, people should know that this one is really crass, which is totally great for me, but maybe not for everyone and just hilarious. But those little snapshots also are really informative because I think that how we think about how people handle different situations, like being on a, you know, like being on an airplane is a great way to have a sense of which number you might identify best with. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like it was really helpful in that way as well, because I think a lot of, in order for the Enneagram to be useful, you do have to get a sense of preferably a single number that you relate to, but certainly that there are certain numbers that make more sense to you. Because I think if you can't identify that for yourself, then it's hard to take any of the advice Mm -hmm. to be able to apply any advice or find it useful. So, so I appreciated that those little snapshots. So before we kind of dive in more specifically, do each of us want to share our numbers? Uh, And we can just also discuss the fact that if we've taken multiple tests and what that entailed and what our results were. Who wants to start? I feel like I should go last. So you guys should go first and then I'll unload. Okay. So one thing that I'm sure is indicative of my personality is that I have only done one test. Personality tests are not my thing, but I did one and it was the full, the, the one that is, it is the free version, but it is a relatively extensive one. It probably took somewhere around 30 minutes. And so I, and we can link that in our show notes, the one that I used, but it gave me the result of personality type one and with some other possibilities, but that was the dominant one. And since then I have not taken any other personality tests, but when I read, when I read this book, I did feel like I identify with a lot of the traits of the one. So I, I believe that I am a one wing two is my personality type. Awesome. And other people are welcome to weigh in on that who know me. <laughs> uh, so uh, since Jim wants to go last, I have done two personality tests. A year ago, I did um, a simple one that was free and I got a nine. And then so for the to prepare for this, I decided I was going to do the paid test and I paid $12 and we can also link the one that I took. It was 144 questions. And it gave me a lot of anxiety to take it because <laughs> there were, I just didn't know, like I was 
I guess that's also indicative of my personality. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know which one to choose. Which one am I? And I just second guessed everything. But I, for this one, I got the I got type six, the loyalist. And I do think, like, especially in the times we are currently living in, uh, the one of the things that it says is a type six exemplifies the desire to create a stable, safe environment. Mm-hmm. And I am kind of in crisis mode because I feel like that is not happening, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that is not the way. So, I mean, I'm really being able, I think having kind of studied this for this episode, it is making me really understand what my personality is like in times of crisis and how I react and those types of things. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty illuminating for me. And then mm-hmm. my other two, I was really, so like in the test that, that I took, it gives scores. So I was a 27 in the type six, uh, and then I was a 25 in the helper, which is type mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, I was a 22 in the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. So I'm all, so the nine was still there. So like, uh, kind of, I, I think I, that, I mm-hmm. think that it probably more accurate. It was just really honing in on each specific thing. And because it was a bigger test, it was able to give me more accurate results. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's, pr- this was a pretty close for me, Jen. I know. I want to hear about Jenna. I am going to pull up mine to see what those other numbers were. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So I first did an Enneagram test when we did our first Ann Vogel episode. And I do not remember what I got that time. So I started with a fresh slate. I took the test that Ashley talked about. And that one gave me a one, three, six. And then I got my book. And I was like, oh, okay. So my book... The Essential Enneagram has nine paragraphs describing the type. And you're supposed to read the nine paragraphs and choose the top three that are most like you and then rank them. And then you're supposed to have someone close to you read it as well. So I had my husband read it and kind of confirm, like, what do they think you are? So my book gave me a 951. So I was like, huh. That's very different from this online test. So what do I do? I went and I got another test. And that one said, I'm a four. At this point, I was experiencing some frustration. I may have texted you guys a little. Yeah. And I think part of my issue was I had just expected to like dive in, know my type, read through it. Because I think most personality types are designed to put you in a category fairly quickly And then you're in there and then you can read about all the things. So (laughs) I have been all over the map. And I really do think that this, all of this probably says something about my personality and something about which Enneagram I should be. Yeah. But I don't know what that thing is. In my Instagram post, someone who seemed to know a lot about it said that nines are often the hardest to type. And that was my result from my book. So I'm like, maybe I'm a nine. (laughs) At this point, I don't know. So I just proceeded reading my book under the assumption that because my book said I'm a nine, that's the section I focused on. And there were certainly things there that seemed reflective of me. There were also things I went ahead and read. It said to read kind of your top three. So I read about the three and about the one as well, since those were my closest from my book. And there were parts of those that seemed like me. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when I read the nine paragraphs, I think there were only two that I was like, that's definitely not me. And all of the rest, all the other seven, I was like, oh, maybe that one. Maybe that one. So, yeah, I am proceeding with a lot of uncertainty, a little bit of frustration, and 
<laughs> and I feel like normally I love this kind of thing. I like categories. I like sorting. I like all these things. So I think part of my frustration was expecting that I would go in and feel this great sense of comfort and identification and learning about myself. And instead, I've just been wandering through this hallway of Enneagram numbers blindly, unsure which door to open because that's my door. So that's me. <laughs> Sorry about that rant, but, but that's where I am. Well, and I think expectations do have a lot to do with reception of this because I was thinking I would not enjoy this. Again, I've only taken one of the types. I don't. I am not a quiz clicker. I do not have any interest in completing online quizzes. I don't love the BuzzFeed stuff. None of that. But I started this one and just absolutely loved it. I loved the tone. I loved the expression. And I just really enjoyed learning about the way that all the different personality types have things to celebrate, but obviously also ways that they could grow. And I think that um, Posh does that really well. I should have looked up how to pronounce her last name prior to this, so I apologize for that. But Hannah Posh, she has... She's very active. She has a blog. She has a podcast. So she, you know, I think she just really has a sense of audience and how to be relatable. And I think that really comes through in the book. And so it just, I was expecting it to be a bit of a write-off for me. And so I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah, I think expectations make a difference. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny though, when we did our Ambogle episode on reading people, I feel, I mean, I, I felt like you two, Ashley, at that time were just kind of like, but then you got really into it when we did the personality testing. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're just like a closet personality test lover. You uh, just don't know that. <laughs> it could be. It could be because it is really funny to realize that I am interested in it for sure. So <laughs> yeah, I might have some time on my hands to take some personality quizzes, folks, so I can keep you posted. <laughs> I will say, Sarah, when you were talking about how reading about how your type reacts in times of crisis or in times of anxiety, that's something that I find to be really helpful about personality tests. Mm -hmm. There's one we did as a school uh, a long time ago, 10 years more. It's called the True Colors Test, and it puts you in one of four colors. And it's, it's pretty simple. Like, you can do it really fast, and it's pretty generalized. But what I liked about it was then when I was interacting with colleagues whose colors were different from mine, like I'm a blue And when I was interacting with someone who was a green or who was a gold and they were doing something that I found to be frustrating, I could be like, this person is just gold. And so that is why Mm -hmm. this person is prioritizing this over like blue is all about emotions and feelings and making everybody feel comfortable. And I just it was helpful to see the context of the larger personality and then to understand that just everybody does not see the world like me. Not that I don't know that, but it is that, oh, I remember that you were an orange. And so the fact that that is my last color means that we are going to have to work to understand each other. And so that's one thing, just that level of understanding, like, oh, I'm reacting to this situation because that's how my personality reacts, not that I am being difficult or inflexible or whatever. I I think that's really helpful. That's one reason I like personality tests. Mm -hmm. It's really funny when, when I was reading this, uh, as everyone knows, Ashley, Jen and I went to a podcast conference not so long ago. And when we were reading it, (laughs) because we were joking while we were at the podcast conference that Jen and I were Ashley's like backup dancers because (laughs) Ashley would go up and ask a question to like vendors and things like that. And Jen and I would stand kind of in the back and just like sit in there and then people would think we were in line and we were like, no, we're just 
with being around Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's really indicative of our personality. I felt like y'all wanted a sign that said, please don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) We're good. We're good. Please don't talk to us. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So so I do want to say before we move on to something else, uh, the test that I took, the $12, like it – we do have video audio. I mean, we have video with our audio today. So I mean, I'm showing Janesh. I mean, it gave me this te- mm-hmm. this printout of my my types, my top three types, and like I said, mine were all really close together. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it does give you a lot of information if you do decide to take it. And we're not getting yeah. any kickbacks or anything from it, but I just I can tell the difference in the twelve dollar test that I took and the free test. So mm-hmm. that's something. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think like Jim was saying, I do appreciate kind of the instructive nature of it because I think if you can get a sense of which personalities you are and how they interact with the personalities of the people you love, I think that can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was something that the Millennia Grand book did really well is just saying that like each, each within the chapters about each number, it gets into how to relate to like for for other people how to for me how to relate to a personality type one when you're not a one, mm-hmm. and then how to better relate to other people when you are a one. And like something that really resonated for me is like she talks about for ones, there's always a desire to reform and to make change, and you see the problems and everything, and so you're always trying to make changes and. I definitely, as Jen and Sarah knew all too well, suffer from that phenomenon and always wanting to make things better and regardless of how good they are, I guess. And, you know, one of the things that she says is, I know it seems stupid not to correct what to you is an obvious problem. The problems are many and they are everywhere in your workplace, in your family, in your home, and in yourself. A huge growth edge for you will be to realize that just because something is best for you, that doesn't mean it's best for someone else wild I know and if the problem you find is one that's in yourself the best way to fix it is not by shaming yourself for having it the only thing shame does is exacerbate a soul problem like squeezing lemon juice into an open wound yeah so and it goes on from there but um gets a little more profane but I mean I think (laughs) I think that a lot of that just really resonated for me because for sure relating to other people is not always my strength as would be natural if if changing things and correcting problems is a big part of my personality type, then sometimes it's hard for me to be open and emotive and accepting of the way things are. And I think within relationships and within life and certainly the situation that we're all living through right now, trying to accept the way things are is very important. Mm -hmm. And so it has been really instructive for me to kind of think about how can I be a better mom, a better um, partner, a better friend, without being judgmental of myself or other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate that. So, so in my book, they he has this quote near the beginning that says, what does getting out of your own way entail? And I mm-hmm. do feel like the Enneagram helps mm-hmm. us figure out how to get out of our own way and yeah. how to think through our limitations and our personality that off, and I do feel like I feel like I that that was one of the big takeaways that I found about myself is that I definitely get in my own way a whole lot. And I mean, I really even think when I think through like having the podcast and being, you know, be, like not wanting, like feeling really anxious about going up and talking to people like at at Podfest when we were there. 
and trying to think the way through ways that I can get out of my own way and, you know, put myself out there more. Mm -hmm. But, but knowing that, that my instinct is to do all these things that sixes do Mm -hmm. and then trying to push past that and, you know, do what other, what what some of the other types do in such, in social situations Mm -hmm. and in times of crisis. I do think that it is illuminating to be able to know that about yourself and try to figure out ways and coping and strategies that you, that can help you, you know, get out of your own way. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was a big takeaway for me from my book. Did you all have any big takeaways from your, you know, from your, either your book or just like thinking through what the Enneagram means and what you've learned from it? Yeah, so my book had these great sections where it talked about connected types and then most non-connected types, probability of types. So it was like, if you chose, they call nine the mediator. So if you chose the mediator nine, there's a 68% probability that that is the right type, but there's a 7% probability that it might be a one, a 6% probability that it might be a two. So just that acknowledgement that it's not an exact science. Mm -hmm. And then it has myths about the type, adjectives describing the type. And then it sort of goes through and talks about what you put your energy into, what you do everything to avoid for me, conflict, confrontation, feeling uncomfortable. And those are definitely all true. And then at the end, there's a section where it's practices for the mediator. And Ashley, this reminded me of what you were talking about, like things, ways you can grow. And it had practice receptive awareness, taking action, um, reflecting to reclaim your higher qualities. So it said, pay particular attention to how much your attention and energy are pulled by and then dispersed into the many claims made upon you, leading to indecisiveness and over accommodation. Stop several times a day for a minute or so to reflect by breathing down and in, allowing yourself to become aware and receptive. And I found that to be really helpful because I do think sometimes I want to make all the things work for all the people. And that's not always great because then no place gets enough of my attention or all of my attention that they need. So, yeah. So I, I did find, again, I'm still not sure I am a nine, but even I think it's probably one of my higher numbers. So even with that, there were things that I thought, oh, yeah, if I were more conscious of this, if I were more reflective, that would be helpful to me. Yeah, that makes sense. How about you, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like I said before, one of the things that I really appreciated about Hannah Posh's book was just this focus on accepting your own personality type and the personality types of others and using that as a way to find fulfillment in your life Mm -hmm. and to, you know, to just enjoy where you are instead of always trying to be somewhere else kind of. And so she just says to all the, there's kind of a conclusion part that's a a millenniagram huddle. And she just emphasizes you don't need to be perfect and talks about that. You don't need to be nicer and talks about that. And you don't need to be harder Mm -hmm. and talks about that. And I think that those are really great takeaways because again, I think that within the different triads, And the way that those different groups function, all of us can benefit from some of those things of just thinking about, you know, you don't have to, no no one is perfect. I think that's part of what the, it does well too, is that when you think about the pros and cons of each personality type, of course, there are some pros and some cons of each. And so just thinking about that and her big emphasis is on using the Enneagram as an instrument of self-healing. And so she's just talking a lot about using this as a way to better understand yourself, better understand the people around you. And again, just be, enjoy a happier life from thinking about those things. And another thing I like is like, 
in the book, she talks a lot about which direction, which, the personality types you move toward in crisis mm-hmm. and the personality types you move toward in growth, like mm-hmm. in a moment of fulfillment. And that while it is great to be able to move toward the integration, like positive integration. So she talks about it as integration and disintegration. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting in the weeds here, so I need to wrap this up. But <laughs> basically, like I appreciated that also because it was kind of saying all of our personalities are fluid. They change based on everything around us, of course. And as they change, they can change in good ways or in bad ways. And mm-hmm. even if they're moving in the disintegration way because you're in crisis, it doesn't mean that that's not a moment of learning about yourself and being able to pivot and look in a different direction and make a change. And so I really appreciated that too. I mean, again, with the tumult in our world right now, I think all of us are having to think about how we navigate the world that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And Instead of focusing on the negative, just being Mm -hmm. able to say, okay, maybe these things I'm turning in the wrong direction and can I look in a different way Mm -hmm. instead? I really appreciated all of that. Mm -hmm. I have to say, Ashley, I'm very intrigued by your book and I kind of want a copy for myself. I think it sounds really... I loved it. I will definitely be... So my partner had recommended this and... He loves a lot of her other work. Like he follows her on Twitter and just really likes her as a personality. And so I I didn't know anything about her before. But like I said, I loved her voice. I loved her attitude. And I thought that I learned a lot about the book. But I also just enjoyed reading it. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, I think, I mean, I thought it was great. That's, I mean, I went ahead and ordered a copy after because I knew that I would want to reference it. And then when I got it and it was gorgeous and color-coded, <laughs> that was all the better. So it's, it's definitely very, very inviting to the reader. That's awesome. Well, does anyone have anything that they want to say about the Enneagram that we haven't discussed? I feel like we've touched on a lot of things and we'll put resources in the show notes that we used and the links and all of that will be there. But Ashley or Jen, do you have any final comments? I will just say, despite my frustration with identifying (laughs) my Enneagram, I I should pause there. I do think it's useful to explore personalities. And I think Mm -hmm. even, I mean, recognizing how frustrated I was is reflection in and of itself. And so I think that kind of reflection is always productive and realizing that it's okay to power through and learn what you can about the result that you've gotten and knowing that there are potentially other results out there, that that's all okay. So I came to a decent place about it, even though that may not have sounded that way through the episode. (laughs) But yeah, I I still do think personality tests and, and thinking about yourself in that way is useful yeah. and worthwhile. Yeah. 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 And just to add to that, I think that as we are potentially all spending a lot more time at home and potentially in, you know, small quarters with the people in our, you know, with our family or with whoever we live with, I think it, it is a great time to do a little gentle mm-hmm. and accepting study yeah. of ourselves and what we can do to try to navigate these waters. Because I think it's totally natural to be having a hard time and to get focused on the negative parts. But I do feel like, I mean, I have been spending a lot more time thinking, you know, pausing at the end of the day to think about the things that I'm really glad that we did during the day and to be grateful for things because I just think that it's important. Yeah. It's, we just got to keep ourselves up and we got, and I think that thinking about, like I said, I just learned a lot about and, and was reminded about 
the limitations of my own personality and how I can be gracious about those and accept that in myself, but also make some effort to soften that when it is abrasive to other people or, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think, yeah, I felt like that was all really helpful. I I think there's power in knowing what you are, but also what you're not and where, Mm -hmm. where you can go and how you can interact with others. I am thinking through, I want to get the book Ashley was talking about. And I also want my husband while we're navigating mm-hmm. these new waters in our world, I would like him to take it. So I feel like that could yeah. be really illuminating yeah. for me, especially when, if we're going to be spending more time at home, it would be nice to know those things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I, my husband also hasn't taken it, but I'm pretty sure that he, I'm pretty sure I knew his number from, based on the book. It seemed like, I think he's probably a five and I'm not positive I do want him to take the quiz, but it was helpful because that section where it talked about how to, you know, better help people you love who are five, those tips are really helpful for me. So, and same with the one, I mean, it's in the one section, it was just kind of saying, if you have a loved one who's a one, the most important thing to do is to say you are enough and I accept you the way that you are. And I think that is something I do need to hear, but I think also that I don't present that way to other people. And so... I can see how that is. That's useful for somebody to know about me because I don't think that it necessarily comes across in my outward mm-hmm. personality. And so, you know, I think that that's something that Enneagram does well is that kind of hidden part. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was a great discussion on the, the Enneagram, even if we didn't all have the same experience. I think it was a fruitful <laughs> discussion. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and move on to our Give Me One section. And today's topic is favorite board games to play with your family. Since some of us might be spending more time inside, we thought we would give some of our family favorites. Jen, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I am recommending today headbands. And if you have not played, when you open the game, there is a literal plastic headband and you put that on your head and it has a little slot on your forehead and you're supposed to put cards facing out. And the cards have different objects and animals and things on them. And so the people you're playing with are trying to get you to guess what that is. So you're asking questions to try to narrow it down. It's kind of like 20 questions in a way. And it can be it can be great, I think, for kids, if you want to think about the educational elements. It's great at critical thinking and figuring out what questions you need to ask to narrow something down. We do a lot of 20 questions in my house, usually about animals. So we are practicing that all the time. That's a daily dinner, <laughs> daily dinner game. And yeah, so it's really fun. It's also just really goofy because you're sitting there with a headband on and you're constantly putting these new cards in and they're really silly. So it can be a lot of fun, but I do think it has some good thinking components, which I'm looking at things that are balancing those right now because we mm-hmm. may have a long haul in front of us. Mm-hmm. So. Ashley, how about you? So my kids are three and five. So mm-hmm. we are still in the, it is very challenging to play games mm-hmm. era. <laughs> but I will say that I have a few recommendations. Um, so one that is always a favorite is bingo. And we have just a little farmyard animals bingo game that only requires three across and so that is great (laughs) Mm -hmm. and in fact my three-year-old was desperately trying to get me to play with her on as I was stepping out this morning to record and so that's just a great one because we, we can't go wrong with it and what my kids really like to do and again I think this is a fun thing for 
younger kids to do is set up their stuffed animals to play as well. Mm. And so, like, there are four, you know, game cards. They would have all the game cards out, and then they spend not just for themselves, but also for their animal friends. And so that's an imaginative component that kind of stretches out the game a bit. So that's been a great one. Uh, My older daughter, who's five, is really enjoying Mancala. That is a really nice two-person or team game that has these stones that you move back and forth. And there's definitely some strategy involved, but it's a simple concept. So I think it's a good one for kids as young as five because they are able to strategize. There's you know ways to think about how many stones are in the in each spot in order to maximize your moves and stuff like that. So it's really nice because there's some great strategy involved, but then it's also very simple to play. Mm-hmm. So that's been a good one. And then finally, one that we have that my kids are a little bit young for, but that I think is a great ga- team game is called Five Minute Dungeon. And that one is a little bit Dungeons and Dragons-like, but very simple. So you're working as a team to defeat a boss. It's a card game. Everybody has different cards and they're figuring out how to best play their cards as a team in order to complete the tasks on the main card. And so that's one been, that one's been really great for us because the navigating of who wins and who loses and all that stuff is maybe always difficult, but definitely is very difficult with, with little kids. And my five-year-old is very much ready to play games, but my three-year-old mm-hmm. is still young for them. And so that's team yeah. games are great because she can participate or not, but she's yeah. at the table, she's got cards, and she's happy being with us doing it and not feeling like she has to have a turn and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that's been a really good activity. Oh, that's awesome. What about you, Sarah? So uh, right now our favorite game is Quicks, which is a dice game, a dice game with, and it has like a pad of paper with it. It's super quick. Each game only takes like 15 minutes and you can have as many players as you want, um, but you can have as few. And that's nice because Mm -hmm. my husband also loves to play it. And he actually (laughs) is always asking my daughter to play it with him because he really enjoys it. And they just really love to play it together. And then I can cook dinner while they're playing dice, the dice game. And it has some strategy to it. And again, it's just, it's, I mean, you roll a handful of dice and there are strategies to like, you're, you're marking off numbers Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get the most numbers marked off and it has some math, a math component to it. So it's a, it's a really fun one and it's super, like I said, super quick. And because I'm one of the people that I hate like playing Monopoly because it takes like two hours or three same, hours. Same. I'm always like, please, any game but that. Uh, so I like ones that are about half an hour. That's my attention span yeah. for games. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so my philosophy like that with TV shows and with games. <laughs> 20, 20 minutes or less is my. <laughs> um, I did wonder, Sierra, with that one, how young do you think kids can play it? So, so my daughter is eight and she is able to play it. With no problems. We did have some, a couple of gray areas with rules, but we, after the first couple of times that we played, we got that all settled. And so I think anywhere from, I would say seven and up just because there's some, there's some math, there's like a little bit of a math and then there's also like strategy involved. Mm -hmm. So younger kids might not understand the strategy, but it definitely takes like one or, you know, one to three games to actually get all the strategy components in your head and, Mm -hmm. but then it gets really easy and then the games become really quick and that's what 
we like about it. Yeah. Nice. I realized I cheated with give me one and gave people more than one That's instead. So Ashley did it give me, me three. I did. <laughs> I, did. I think it's because I felt that the one that I most often play, which is bingo, is maybe not everyone's <laughs> thing they're going to be desperate to you. That's not going to be a new discovery for anyone. Mm-hmm. So that's the honest truth, but maybe not one that all of you are going to rush to go play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I will say too, for little kids, my kids loved Spot It. And that was another quick, mm, quick game. Yes. Those are, that's a really good one too. We have that one and it is nice. And again, a lot of variations. So I think that's yes. another good one to have some imaginative play or just have different ways to play, which is nice. Have you all played yeah. Uno Moo? No. Oh, I'll have to show you that. So that is, it's like Uno, but you have a little barn and it has these cute little round characters like a cow and a skunk. And so you're trying to match either the type of animal or I think there's a wild card. Anyway, so it's like getting kids ready to play Uno, but it's really cute. So it's appealing. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I'll have to show you. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, we want to thank you today for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion on the Enneagram. And we also hope that you got some ideas for games you can play with your kiddos while we are all spending more time at home. And we just ask that you continue to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook and discuss our book club books and our buddy reads. And we hope to see you there or talk to you there really soon. Thank you for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 